Hi, and welcome to episode 65 of 5 Minutes of Rum. Notes on rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Up the Grove. In this episode, I have a bottle of Clement at my side, a specialty bottle available for purchase from only one retailer. Now, cynics may find this to be a marketing ploy by Spirit Brands, a delicious, delicious marketing ploy, and they're probably not wrong. But nonetheless, the rum itself is a, it's a fine specimen, and Clement, the producer, has similar rums available as part of their normal lineup, so don't despair if you don't have access to a bottle of this particular rum. I'll also head down the path to making clear ice in a home freezer and make a couple of cocktails, including Trader Vic's Voodoo Grog. It's all agricole all the time in this episode of 5 Minutes of Rum. Now, the full name of the rum in this episode, uh, as given by the producer, is Clement Rum Agricole View, Cask Collection, which is quite a mouthful, but let's work through that a little bit at a time. Um, this is an agricole rum from Martinique, as you might imagine, based on that very descriptive name. And as a reminder, as an agricole from Martinique, not only is it distilled from fresh pressed cane juice, but its production is also governed by the uh, by an AOC, an appellation of origin, which has implications on how it's produced. For more information on the Martinique AOC, please listen to episode five of this here program. But in short, that AOC puts certain standards in place that have to be adhered to, such as how it's aged. And as an agricole rum distilled directly from sugarcane juice and not from molasses, you're going to get a stronger sense of the soil, earthiness, and grassiness uh, that's usually present in this style of rum. However, when it's aged in casks for any length of time, that is also going to have a strong influence on the finished product. And so here we are at the Clement Rum Agricole View, Cask Collection. Uh, this offering from Clement is a special bottling for high time wine and spirits in Costa Mesa, California. There are other specialty bottles from Clement for other retailers, and they're just plain limited edition special bottlings like a cask strength rum, uh, but this is not that. Uh, this is not cask strength is what I mean to say. Now, first up is a tasting, and then we'll de try to determine where this fits in the Clement line. So uh, a bottle in front of me as well as a glass with some poured into it gives it a little time to aerate. And in terms of appearance, so there's pictures of the bottle in the show notes, but the bottle itself is what I would consider the now standard Clement bottle as they've standardized their bottles across their line. A sturdy stout bottle with a plastic screw cap top. The bottle itself comes in um, an open cardboard case with a small rope handle on top. Uh, again, there's a picture of that in the show notes. Apparently, this is not an uncommon way to carry rum in Martinique. The bottle also has a label with particular information about this rum and a tacky badge indicating that this bottling was specific for high-time wine cellars in Costa Mesa. Uh, the rum itself is a light maple syrup color in the bottle as well as in the glass. When it comes to aroma, well, it smells very much like an aged agricole, big shock. Um, it has that earthy, grassy aroma you're expecting. Um, no burn on the nose, no real astringency to, to note, um, at least at first. The nose then became a little more pronounced when smelling directly from the bottle as opposed to when it was poured in the glass. So um, initially when it was poured in the glass, I didn't find it to have a very strong nose. Uh, but it, when you concentrate it and just go from the, the, the neck of the bottle, you do get a little bit more astringency in that case. Uh, in terms of taste, um, well, I already did this ahead of time, so I'm not going to do it now, but I took an initial sip, uh, swirled that in my mouth, and spit it out as I'm supposed to do. Uh, the My first impression of it was some lingering heat around the gums, and then on my first real sip, I got a lot of dryness and not much heat. Uh, the rum itself tasted considerably of the barrel, uh, has a nice body, and the initial uh, vegetal notes gave way to the wood and leather picked up from the aging, I presume. Um, I might be imagining things, but there also seems to be something like a faint touch of butterscotch, uh, not an overwhelming sweetness. It was something very subtle. Um, and that's the flavor, not the sugar again, not very sweet. Uh, there's also a touch of pepper, especially on the finish. 
and in what lingers in your mouth after the swallow. Now, speaking of the finish, I found this to be, a, at least for me, a medium-length finish, or so I thought, uh, but with good complexity. The finish starts with like a residual rum taste and then gives way to a bit of heat and spice on the tongue and then fades out on the throat. And then finally, after sitting with the glass for a little while, the warmth kind of creeps back up um, in the throat just to remind you of what you just enjoyed. So initially, I jotted down that this was a medium finish, but I think after having a glass of it um, and sitting with it for a little while longer, it becomes a little bit more of a longer finish than I originally gave it credit for. Uh, in summary, um, this rum has a, a touch more firepower than a, than a normal Clement at 44.4% alcohol by volume. Uh, this definitely is more assertive than the Clement VSOP, um, if you're familiar with that rum. Uh, the more I sipped it, uh, like I said, the more I appreciated the finish. Um, I'm actually finding it hard to articulate flavor notes, even more so than usual for me. Um, I'll say in a broad sense that this is a very good agricole view for sipping um, and likely good for other basic cocktails like a punch view, which is um, a tea punch but made with an aged agricole instead of a blanc agricole or an unaged agricole, uh, or maybe perhaps in an old-fashioned. Um, it seems like something I'd place with... Um, Maybe on the shelf with some of the longer-aged St. James bottles I have, like the Extra Old or the Ors Dodge. Uh, so that led me to compare those three rums. Um, and I there's a, a picture of those three lined up in the show notes. Um, my notes after you know sipping all three of them, you know, sort of next to each other. Uh, the Clement overall lighter in color. Um, on the nose, the Clement is closer to the Ors Dodge in terms of you know uh, the nose, the aroma that comes from the bottle and the glass. Um, the taste of the Clement falls somewhere in between the two St. James. Um, definitely had more sharpness than the two St. James. Um, and all in all, not surprisingly, all three are fine specimens of rum agricole. So pick them up if you can. The St. James are going to be the much more difficult ones to find, although this uh, Clement cast collection is is a, is a good option if you want a mail order from high time. But even there, this one's going to be a little bit harder to pick up because of its limited edition nature. Now, when it comes to trying figuring out the production of this rum, things get a little bit more murky. Uh, the almighty Google doesn't turn up much for this particular label and this particular uh, set of words in a row. In fact, what it really wants to offer me when I search for this rum is Clement single cask. But that's okay because that appears to be the closest match in description, labeling, and price to the rum that I have here. Um, this rum looks to be another variation of that single cask line. So if we draw that conclusion, then we can also say that this rum is aged eight years in French oak. The main difference that I can tell from the standard single cask offering is that the single cask is bottled at a higher ABV. It's bottled at cask strength. Uh, the labeling on each bottle is similar. Uh, the label is loaded up with some points of interest, such as those, um, such as these for my bottle, uh, which I, again, had to fire up Google Translate to get to uh, because they're all in French, being from Martinique. Um, so some notes on this particular bottle. This is from barrel 20070230. Uh, it is bottle number 135 out of a total of 448 bottles from that barrel. Uh, this was aged in new French oak, and it had an aging date of January 10th, 2012. So, hey, uh, this just in from the corrections department. Unlike the eight-year aging of single cask, this is a six-year aging. Interestingly, Clement has a six-year Grand Reserve bottle, but unlike this rum, their six-year Grand Reserve is aged in a combination of barrels, so not quite the same. And I still think the single cask is probably a closer match in terms of style, even if it is bottled uh, two years less. Uh, this bottle had a bottle, or this this has a bottling date of July 29th of 2016, so bottled a little over six months ago. Um, and lastly, there is a signature, quote unquote, from the seller master on the label. 
Um, unlike with single cask, there isn't a designation of the sugarcane varietal. So on the single cask rums, you will get um, an idea of what sugarcane varietal makes up that rum. Uh, now, where to find this rum? Well, like it says on the label, and like I mentioned before, this particular rum is an exclusive bottling for high-time wines and spirits in Costa Mesa. That said, my experience with retailer-specific bottles is that other major retailers will sometimes get their own version of the spirit branded for their store. Uh, for example, I recently picked up a retailer-specific whiskey. Now, stop the press. Yes, it was a whiskey uh, from a local retailer called Wade's Wines. Um, these are a way to entice buyers, and I imagine a way to reward retailers who are doing a good job of pushing a particular brand, or maybe they're simply high volume. Um, I've in the past picked up a high high time specific bottle of a port finished plantation rum, uh, which was side note delightful in an eggnog. Um, so they can be had. Um, you just have to find a high volume retailer and um, see what kind of specific bottlings they're doing. Um, however, with that being said. These are not rums that you can be you, you can rely on to always exist and always be on the shelf. Um, I received my bottle of this particular Clement rum as a gift, um, and you can still order the rum directly from High Time at the time of this recording. Otherwise, I'd say look for a Clement single cask or something in a similar vein. Um, again, this is a little bit more sharp, a little bit more pronounced than the VSOP, so that's probably not a good analogous rum for it. Uh, but there is a uh, Clement select cask. Um, that's a little more in their mainstream line that might be a good approximation. Uh, the price is reasonable for a quality Martinique rum, which are typically priced a bit higher than some of their counterparts from either the Spanish or English colony, former, former Spanish and English colonies. Now, moving on to the topic of clear ice at home and directional freezing. Now, the source for info on clear ice at home. Let me start by advocating for you to go and read the work of Camper English, um, and read the work that he has done on his academics site. That's academics.com. Um, there's a link to his site in the show notes, both to his main site and specific articles on uh, ice and directional freezing. Uh, he has done all the work of running experiments and arriving at ideas for the home ice enthusiast. So again, go to the show notes, click on the links to his site and learn some more. Um, we're just going to scratch the surface here and talk about it, but he has a lot more info if you want to go read up on it. Now, um, here I just really want to introduce the idea of making clear ice at home. Now, firstly, it's important to identify why ice made in a home freezer is cloudy. In a traditional home freezer and a normal non and using normal non-insulated ice cream ice cream ice cube trays, uh, cold air surrounds the tray and freezes the water from the outside in. So, if you were to say uh, why is my ice at home cloudy, and if you were to say it's because of the impurities, you're halfway there. That is half right. The other part of it, though, is the way that the ice is freezing. So, again, if you're using a normal uninsulated ice cube tray. That cold air in the freezer surrounds the tray and freezes the water from the outside in. This results in the impurities in the water being forced to the center and being trapped there as the water freezes. Now you have cloudy centers and much sadness. But if you control the direction of freezing, it stands to reason that you can direct those impurities in a direction you want them to go. So when Mr. English began uh, documenting clear ice experiments on his site in 2009, he tried some of the traditional home remedies you'll hear when it comes to managing home ice. For example, boiling the water or using distilled water. Uh, distilled water, while trapping impurities in a different pattern than the tap water, still trap them in the middle of your ice cube. Using boiling water um, in the home freezer, the freezing process is still going to be slow and retain impurities in the middle of the cube. Um, industrial ice machines, uh, such as the cold draft machine, will spray water in layers from the top down and they don't freeze an entire set of cubes at once. Uh, Camper English eventually hit on a method that worked and one that you can easily try at home assuming you have a small insulated cooler. 
Now, uh, how to easily, but not quickly, test directional freezing at home is to take that small insulated cooler that fits in your freezer, fill it maybe two thirds of the way with water and place it in the freezer and leave the lid open. Now, as the water freezes, it will freeze only from the top, which is the open part down. The bottom and the sides are insulated and won't accept the cold air um, hitting the water. Thus, you are freezing from the top down, forcing the impurities to the bottom. Once it's completely frozen, remove the cooler from the freezer and remove the ice block. The bottom will be cloudy. You can cut or chip that portion away, and you should have a nice sized block of clear ice to work with. And all because you use directional freezing. Science! Okay, fine. You don't want to take three to four days of uh, freezing a cooler two-thirds of the way filled with water just to remove a block and have to chip it apart into the clear parts and the not-so-clear parts. Is there another method? Uh, there is one that doesn't uh, produce the same amount of volume of ice, but it, it will work and is good for if you only got a couple of people at home. And that's the Rabbit Clear Ice 4-Cube Tray. Um, now, I subtly asked for and subsequently received this uh, toy for Christmas. Uh, once I saw the post about it on the academic site and then saw the price, which is a cool 20 bucks, um, I was pretty sure it was worth a try. Even if it wasn't great, um, I knew it was going to be, you know, it was going to be a good experiment. I don't know if other retailers carry it, but there is a link to Bed Bath & Beyond in the show notes. They at one time were the exclusive provider. Um, again, you might be able to find it elsewhere online, but there's that link in the show notes. Um, it is a simple apparatus that seems to work as advertised. Again, it's low volume, so don't plan on using this at your next big cocktail party. It only produces four cubes at a time, though you can stockpile some if you plan in advance. Now, there's a plastic outer tray that covers a plastic and foam inner structure, which houses then subsequently four silicone cubes, each with a small hole in the bottom. To make the uh, ice cubes, you assemble all of the pieces and pour water into each of the four silicone cubes. Water will flow through the hole um, on the bottom and then fill the compartment or fill a compartment at the bottom near the inner tray. And this is where directional freezing comes in because you're putting some water in the bottom with that small pinpoint hole in the bottom of the silicon. And then the rest of the silicon holds the rest of the ice, which will form the clear part of the cube. So you are freezing down into the bottom part of the tray apart from what would be that clear cube. Now, once completely frozen, remove the whole tray from the freezer, separate the outer and inner pieces. They do come apart. I personally was wary of breaking it when I first tried to do this, but it does come apart. And then after a couple minutes, um, you can loosen up and pop the uh, ice cubes themselves out from the silicon tray. In my small sample size so far, I find these to be much clearer than normal ice in my freezer, and they work better than those Tivoli large silicon ice cube molds uh, that don't allow for directional freezing uh, so that they don't shift off the opaque portion. Those ones, you do get a big cube, but you still result in a, in a cloudy cube. Now, as with any ice, know that fresh ice is better, so don't let them sit for months in your freezer. There's a limit to how much you actually want to stockpile this. They will get small crystals built up on them, and even worse, they'll pick up any kind of funk or smell from your freezer. I personally almost always buy bagged ice at the grocery because it's clearer and tastes better, uh, which is to say it doesn't really taste like anything at all. And um, I augment that ice, that ice that I pick up from the grocery store, with specialty cubes like these as needed for certain cocktails. Okay, you've got some delicious agricole view and you've got some clear ice cubes. What are you going to do with that? It's time to look into some recipes. Now, the first obvious recipe for me, uh, given the two things that we've talked about so far, would be an old-fashioned made with this Clement Rum Agricole view from, from the cask collection. Uh, so if I'm looking for something other than sipping that rum neat, uh, the first two things that came to mind, like I mentioned a, a few minutes ago, is a punch view and an old-fashioned. So today we're going to talk about the old-fashioned. Uh, this is a very simple version, much simpler than the 
uh, Death From Above, Old Fashioned, that I talked about in episode 41, which incidentally is still one of my favorites, but this is a just a normal sort of old-fashioned, simple concoction of rum, syrup, and bitters. So um, for this cocktail, combined two ounces of Clement Rum Agricole View cask collection or an Agricole View of your choice, one teaspoon of simple syrup, one dash of Angostura bitters, and one dash of Angostura orange bitters, and combine all of those uh, over ice in a mixing glass, stir to chilled, and then strain into a double old-fashioned glass over one clear ice cube, and garnish that with an orange twist. So very simple, a delicious, simple cocktail. It's going to feature your rum, give you a little bit of uh, a little bit of stuff to play off of with the with the bitters, um, and should be a, a nice slow sipping cocktail for that um, specialty agricultural view. Now, the second recipe in this uh, episode is a little bit more complex and a little bit more of a mixer, a little bit more of a tiki drink, if you will. Shocking, I know. Um, and probably not one that I'm going to use the, uh, the this Clement rum in. I'm going to stick with sipping and, and old fashions for the other one. So we're going to use a different agricultural view, but by all means, if you want to, go for it. Now, the origin of this recipe, this is a Trader Vic's recipe dating back to the 1950s. The version in this episode comes from Jeff Berry's Potions of the Caribbean. Uh, Mr. Berry adapted it from Trader Vic's 1972 Bartender Guide, where it called for two ounces of their proprietary, there being Trader Vic's, uh, their proprietary Navy Grog mix. Now, I've sourced my own version of this mix from the internet in the, tr- in the form of a spice syrup uh, plus juices, uh, but Beach Bumberry arrived in a similar destination by combining lime juice, grapefruit juice, and pimento dram. Now, I've talked about that spice syrup in episode 25, and I did a blog post on it. Uh, perhaps it's time to actually use that in a future episode. Now, again, when it comes to making this recipe, uh, some rum suggestions. The, the Voodoo Grog calls for a rum agricole view uh, or an aged agricole rum, if you prefer, from Martinique or another French West Indies uh, island like Guadalupe. Uh, the Clement cast collection fits this definition, but like I mentioned, it's a limited edition rum and you may want to save it. So some other good options would be St. James Royal Amber, if you've hoarded some or live in an area that still imports it or, um, or still carries it, uh, or Rum JM Gold or Rum JM VSOP, uh, La Favorite Amber, the Clement VSOP, or the Demisal VSOP. The ingredient list for Voodoo Grog is one ounce of aged column still rum. Uh, I'm using the Ron Del Baralito Two Star. One ounce of Rum Agricole View. I'm using St. James Ors Dodge. Three quarter ounce of fresh lime juice. Three quarter ounce of fresh white grapefruit juice. Three quarter ounce of pimento dram. One quarter ounce of honey mix at a two to one ratio, two to one honey to water ratio one half ounce of passion fruit syrup, and one egg white. Now combine that with one cup of crushed ice and mix in a spindle blender for 20 seconds. And then pour that unstrained into a Trader Vic's voodoo tumbler or a snifter. That Trader Vic's voodoo tumbler will not have a picture of it in the show notes because I do not yet own one. Now a couple of notes on egg whites. Uh, one egg white, which is in the recipe, I found that um, after measuring a one, just one large chicken egg and and straining that, that to be about one ounce of egg whites. So what I do for when a recipe calls for egg whites, I usually don't use um, fresh egg whites that I separate. I usually will use pasteurized egg whites that come in a carton and again, measure out to about one ounce. So one egg white, one ounce, that should work out just fine. Now, in terms of garnish for this recipe, uh, you're going to dust that with fresh grated nutmeg and garnish that with a couple of sprigs of mint. You're going to notice because of the egg whites, it's going to foam up on top after you've blended that for about 20 seconds. You're going to get a lot of body, uh, but the nutmeg will look real good on top of that, and it, it gives you a nice base for uh, the aroma when you when you when you go to take a sip. 
Now, I'm not really in the habit of working in egg whites, but they, as I said, they are there for texture and body. Um, and using three quarters ounce of pimento dram certainly ups the spice element of the recipe. Uh, so I'm going to take a sip here of mine. And you really do notice the citrus and the, uh, and the dram, as well as working in the, the woodiness of the, the agricole, aged agricole rum there. Um, I don't really notice the passion fruit syrup. It may just be a victim of competing flavors, uh, but overall, a really good cocktail, uh, something that you can sip slowly. Uh, and again, the egg white gives it something a little bit more interesting than, um, than some of the other recipes I normally make. So a little out of my wheelhouse, but it is a Trader Vic's recipe, so I guess it's really not that far out of my wheelhouse. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Show links are up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number 5minutesofrum.com. The show is also on iTunes as 5 Minutes of Rum. On iTunes, you can subscribe, you can rate the show, you can even leave a review. The show is also on Twitter and Instagram as at 5 Minutes of Rum. That's the at symbol, number 5 Minutes of Rum. Please send in any, in any comments, corrections, feedback, or requests via the 5 Minutes of Rum website or on Twitter. And now, go get some rum.